Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Cynthia King, founder and executive director of Cynthia King Dance Studio, located in Brooklyn, New York. The Vegan Studio has been a vital part of Brooklyn's rich dance culture for more than 15 years. In 2014, after nearly two decades of presenting dance works in Flatbush, Cynthia opened her new studio and performance space in the heart of the neighbourhood. Having danced professionally since 1978 and taught since 1986 in both public and private schools, Cynthia and the studio have become staples in the local community, supporting a wide variety of civic and educational organisations. In May 2015, she received the prestigious Boston Conservatory Distinguished Alumni Award, one of many acknowledgements for her work. Later that year, she established the Cynthia King Humane Artist Scholarship, which is awarded to an incoming Boston Conservatory student who embodies compassionate living. In addition to running her dance studio, which offers a range of classes for both children and adults on vegan principles, Cynthia is the creator of the Cynthia King Vegan Ballet Slippers, a signature line of cruelty-free ballet shoes. These are worn by compassionate dancers from across the globe and have been seen on the feet of Natalie Portman and Emily Deschanel. In this interview, Cynthia talks about how she weaves her vegan ethics into the business to influence students, parents and staff, advice for vegan actors, dancers and other entertainers on how to navigate show business, especially if you're asked to wear animal-based fashions, how being an active part of the local community has been a key factor in her success, the challenges she faced when moving studios and how she handled them, why being positioned as the more expensive end of your market can be beneficial, how she handles pushback from students or parents who complain about not being able to bring animal products, including food and leather shoes, into the studio, how standing your ground despite being perceived as difficult can be advantageous to your business, particularly in the long run, and much more. Here's the interview with Cynthia King of Cynthia King Dance Studio. Hello, Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to share about my business and work. Yeah, and I love it because your business and your work is so creative. You know, it's in dance. And um, actually, my degree, which I did many, many years ago back in London in the UK, is in performance art. And my first year, I majored in dance. So I absolutely love dance. Oh. So I'm really excited to have you on the show to, yeah, to talk oh, about great. your journey. <laughs> so, <Great. laughs> so you've been a professional dancer, then a dance tutor as well. So you've been involved in dance for, I think, nearly 40 years um, on a professional mm-hmm 
basin <laughs> and you've run <laughs> and you've run uh you know your Cynthia King dance studio for I think about 16 years now tell us about your why why do you do what you do well, you know, I did start dancing as a child, and uh, I just really loved it and always just loved it so much that when it came time to, you know, think about doing other things or, you know, quote, practical things, <laughs> um, there was really nothing I wanted to do as much. So I, um, you know, I just kept going. I just didn't want to stop doing it, basically. And, you know, whenever I thought of doing other things, it didn't really appeal to me. So I, I knew if I just kept going and you know I just put one foot in front of the other really <laughs> and just didn't have to stop luckily so so you know it was just the passion for what I was doing and and not a real passion for something else so you know I, I that's really what I did I just kept doing it I just didn't stop <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful wonderful for everyone that's involved in that what about with starting yeah. the business with starting your own studio what what was your why for doing that because that's quite a transition from you know being a working professional dancer maybe working in other people's companies right. maybe to actually starting your own studio um what was, your, what well, was your why for doing that well, actually, you know, you, you know, you don't perform forever. And as you age, you, you know, within the dance world, I was always looking for everything that there was that included dance that was not necessarily still performing. Um, I had uh, some kids, some children, and, you know, so I was sort of, you know, uh, anchored in my neighborhood more. I wasn't going to travel anymore, you know. And um, actually, um, the tragedy of 9-11 had an influence in me starting my business because when um, when the Twin Towers uh, were destroyed and 9-11 happened here in New York City, a lot of transportation changed and I had been teaching outside of the neighborhood and after that happened I was you know, I was. I wanted to stay closer to home it was a very traumatic event to be in New York when that happened, you know and um, so I just wanted to stay close to my home my kids were young and I so I found a, a you know a spot right right close to my house so that I could stay stay local and that was really one of the impetus one of the you know a strong impetus for for opening the business. Got it, got it. And I noticed when I was yeah. doing my research, you're very much a community-based dance organization. You really create a lot of uh, stuff that's happening with classes and performances. And I got even just from reading on the website, I get a real kind of feel that you're you're absolutely part of the the Brooklyn community in in New York City. Yes, well, we have we know we serve so many families and kids, and we are uh, you know Brooklyn is a great, amazing borough. So there's parks and playgrounds and street fairs and arts events and we we participate in everything that, that's around <laughs> us so so you know it's that kind of you know dance world you can't dance you don't dance just by yourself you know you have to be out there with other people <laughs> absolutely absolutely so can you talk about when you first started up um your dance studio Cynthia what were some of the key challenges well you know I really didn't know much about um you know business really I, I actually had had a studio before for a couple of years um in a different place but you know it was just you know for fun it wasn't really a business so I didn't really know much about business so a lot of the challenges you know came with just having to find out as you go like I, you know I opened this the, the business and then found out things like you know you have to pay for your own carding you know the the garbage to be picked up like little <laughs> things like that like that you know I just had to learn as I as I went so you know it was a lot of just you know hit or miss and and you know um, trial and error, but um, 
it was actually fun. So I know it was a challenge, but I, I actually really enjoyed that kind of stuff. So, so I liked finding out all the things I needed to find out. And, um, you know, it, it was a challenge in that, you know, it was work, but it was, it was something I really enjoyed. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of unfolded, you know. <laughs> got it, got it. So you sort of, you literally yeah. learned on the job, the kind of the business aspect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it is, of course, a challenge in the beginning to make money. That's a challenge. But, um, you know, I um, it's, I was in a really good neighborhood that, like, uh, that I knew a lot of people already because I had these kids in the neighborhood. I was really, you know, um, a local person that people knew. So, uh, you know, I just got people did come to me pretty quickly and I had been teaching around other places. So I had students already that would come. So, you know, um, it was, you know, we just grew. I did open in June, which was kind of weird because schools really start in September and that's when classes get busy. So I had the the first summer to sort of, um, you know, grovel (laughs) and try to get it going. And then by (laughs) September I was well on my way. So, (laughs) Oh, fantastic. I think that's a good example of particularly if you're running a local business, which you are, the importance of being in that community. And like you said, so that people already kind of like and trust you and are are willing to give you a go. So, oh, that's fantastic. And what about the changes? So as you've grown, so you've been going about 16 years now, so you're obviously quite a mature business. How have the challenges changed as over the years as you've grown and become more well-known? Well, you know, one of the the main challenges really was space because here, you know, in New York, you know, space is expensive, and that's really all you need for dance is just to have a big space. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, you know, as I grew, I ran out of space very quickly, and um, at first, I expanded into a a space next door to me, but it didn't really work because it was like having another small space. It wasn't like having one big one, you know. So I um. So the challenge was really building the new place, finding the right spot and building the new place. And that's where I really had to, you know, I, I used money that I had already made. I, I got one loan. I know you asked uh, about funding for these projects, but I, I had a line of credit basically. And I, I didn't tap into it as much as I expected, but I did. I had been saving up money from the business to in order to expand. So uh, then I found an empty warehouse that was completely raw space and I, was able to design my own space, which is an absolute dream in life to be able to do that, you know? So, um, but I was, I was about 20 blocks from my original space, but in, in New York City, 20 blocks is a completely different neighborhood, you know? So it, it was really a challenge. That was a challenge to keep the people that I had, uh, as loyal people and families and then, to build with it with new new families as well. So, right, um, right. the new neighborhood was a very different demographic. Not a, the first one I opened was um, in you know a neighborhood, a very middle class neighborhood where people had the income. Even during the decline in the economy, my business was booming. So then, when I moved to a new neighborhood, the families are not as well off, and it was more of a challenge to you know, break down the fees further and, you know, offer discounts and things like that to get families in. Right, right. So what Um, happened with that? So you had that new place and then what, so what happened with that? Did you close one of your places and then consolidate? mm -hmm. How did that sort of work? Yes, yes. Well, I had both of them running and, you know, the original spot and the new big spot. And I, um, I was really miserable going back and forth because I'm pretty hands-on and I like to be there every single day and involved with with everything that's happening. And 
Um, so after uh, a year, between a year and two, I closed the original and just consolidated everybody in the new space. But um, just recently, I thought to myself that I kind of wish I had held on a little bit longer in the because I think I could have. Uh, there's people now that want more days work that I don't have as many. You know, I really I feel like if I had just been able to hold out and I could have probably kept the both of them going and the original one is still you know in a good location that you know I, I think I was just so exhausted from doing both right that right. you know I just wanted to just be finished with the first place yeah. and it was, it's not the kind of you know, and it's not the kind of space I like because the other one I, the new one is just spectacular and beautiful oh, wow. so you know it is what it is yeah, it's only yeah. recently that I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if I could have stuck that out, you know. But, yeah, well, I guess you make the decisions that, that are right for you at the time. Um, yeah, so. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the, new, the new place yeah. sounds good. And it's interesting, you, you've touched on that about the whole physical premises. And obviously that means, um, you know, higher overheads from, say, someone who's got an online-only business. And like you say, especially in a city like New York where rents continue oh, to yeah. go up. And obviously in the case yeah. of the dance studio, I know you said, you know, you need, uh, you need that big space and you need the sprung floors. And, you know, yes, when you yes. fit it out and, you know, when you're fitting it out and it's not necessarily, you know, yours to fit out so it's quite a lot of uh, yeah money to invest I guess so how do you kind of manage those challenges I mean you've been doing this for 16 years in New York how do you kind of cope with all of that well um you mean after well we already spent all the money, <laughs> spent the money on the build out and um uh you know it, it, we've had to we haven't had to borrow money again so that you know we are definitely you know we're succeeding and you know it's it's a big, it's a lot of juggling, and I, I am actually probably the most expensive um, studio to train to attend in Brooklyn, and you know I, um, I like being situated like that as sort of the top, um, and you know we just have to, and I have a lot of mouths to feed. I have a big staff, and I have this terrific overhead, but I. I remind people that they can study somewhere else or they can, you know, or they can come here and get all of the many, 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 you know, benefits to coming to my school uh, over another school. So people don't really, you know, so people do see that when they walk into my place, you feel it, you know, you're in someplace special. It's you now there's gigantic windows looking into the studios, there's professional lighting for in-house performances. And, you know, it's just, you know, you can tell you're in a, in a special place and people want to. And they can go look at another place that costs less to train and they'll come back to me if it's, you know, if they can. And I understand when people can't, you know, can't afford to, to train with me, but, you know, it, I, I think that I'm not afraid to charge more. Right, right. Thing, you know, um, I don't think it's bad to be the most expensive studio. For sure. And especially, like you said, you really add value. Like I had a look and I looked through your scheduling price and I actually thought they were really quite right for what you're offering. I thought that's actually really quite reasonable, you know, especially like, you know, I think they get to do, you know, like you add on these bonuses, like I think some of your students get to do like summer classes. It's all in. I'm oh, like, yeah. Wow. She doesn't even charge X. That's like really cool. So I actually thought I could really feel the value. Um, so, yeah. And I, I'm glad that you raised that. I think it is important to, yeah, yeah. to charge what you work. You say you've got these overheads and you are offering, you know, 
you're not just charging high prices for the sake of it you do because you're really kind of stacking in the value so I'm, I'm glad right. to hear you yes. say that yeah yes. for sure now as well as the yeah. classes and your dance programs um you also sell vegan ballet slippers which is so cool um now obviously, you know <laughs> having a product line, I mean that's kind of a business in of itself um so I'm kind of curious um why did you decide to introduce a product line and what what have been some of the challenges with balancing that and the dance business well, it is definitely a separate, it's a different business. They uh, operate out of the same place, but they're two different businesses. And, um, you know, I, I, being vegan, I, I, uh, couldn't really in good conscience recommend a shoe to my students if it was a leather shoe or it had leather on it. So I had been wearing this old pair of ballet slippers that were from Australia from a place called Vegan Wears, which is no longer oh. there. Do you remember that? Yeah, vegan wares. They're still going. Yes. I think they're in Melbourne. I think they moved. Um, but oh, oh, I think well, they don't make around. the shoes. They, they oh, they don't make the shoes. They had, oh. Yeah, they had this funny, it was a kind of a funny little plastic, it was like almost a plastic funny shoe. But, <laughs> you know, um, being an adult, my feet didn't grow, and I, I wore them for a long time. <laughs> and they were very expensive to have. You know, they were like $100 to, to have them shipped here and made, and, you know, they, and I thought, my students aren't going to pay that, and they're not, and I don't have any shoe I can recommend. So I decided to, to uh, try to figure out, and I knew nothing about the shoe business um, at all. And so I just pounded the pavement in, in the city. I went from uh, fabric place to textile place in Midtown and tried to find a material that I thought would work for the sole of the shoe. And I knew a little shoemaker in Brooklyn, a little old man who who worked on on um, dance shoes and I, I brought this the material to him and I asked him if he could try to make a balance shoe and he did and they were fantastic you know so we started just making them here this little man I would go over to his shop and pick up 20 or 30 pairs at a time you know and um, it got very very expensive you know um, his cause making them it was one man making them himself right <laughs> it was very hard to grow <laughs> And it was, I was selling them uh, to all my students. They, were, they, they are the required shoe in my school. So I know that I sell several hundred pairs a year to my students, you know. And um, and, I, and I ended up finding a, a manufacturer overseas that would make the, you know, bigger quantity for, for a lower price. So uh, I had a couple of different, you know, trial and error with different companies and uh, factories. And now it's, it's really... You know, I don't do anything to market the shoe. I, I pay very little attention to the, to the business and I should. And maybe somebody out there that you know or someone listening is interested in, um, is a salesperson or a distribution rep or somebody who's interested in working in a vegan ballet slipper business because I would love to, to expand that business and I just really can't do that myself. So that is one part of my business that needs attention and expertise. So, we really just sell them online. We keep them in a, we have a storage facility at the dance studio downstairs in the dance studio. And, um, one of my sons ships them out. He packages them up and ships them, you know, at the post office twice a week. And we Fantastic. sell them all over the world. Yeah. And we sell them, we wholesale them to schools. There's a couple of schools that have them as their exclusive shoe. There's a beautiful school in the Switzerland and there's one in Japan and, and we have, you know, they really need to be in more stores. But I, like I said, I, I really don't even put enough time and effort into the shoe business. It could certainly grow. And it is, and it's, and they're beautiful shoes. They're wonderful. And, um, 
you know, it's just running at the same, in the same place as my studio. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. it's really, you know, and the people that, you know, my admin team, like in between, you know, um, organizing the rosters and the shows and the uh, registration and the tuition payments in between that, they're fulfilling balance slipper orders. <laughs> <laughs> So wow. you know, there's quite a lot going on at the studio. It certainly is. I can picture it in yeah. my mind. It's a very hustling, yeah. bustling <laughs> studio. But isn't that yeah. lovely that you've literally created a product that's selling itself? I mean, that's that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of, I guess, what we call a high quality problem to have. You know, it's like, yeah, no, it is. yeah, like you type in, I know you type in vegan ballet slippers, you know, vegan ballet shoes on Google and you immediately come up and I've seen your shoes. Yeah. They're actually in a, a, in a, a Sydney dance store here, actually. I've seen, I was so happy to see them. And I think I said to the yeah. I said, oh, it's fantastic. You've got these vegan ballet slippers. That's wonderful. You know, so I did kind of plant yeah. the seed. So that's that's really cool. So, well, look, if anyone's listening and they're, you know, keen to get involved, we, we can you know, try and connect you. Contact sure. me. Yes. <laughs> fantastic. Now, you yes. mentioned, Cynthia, that you've got uh, quite a few staff. So you've got teachers um, that work with you and you've got your, your admin staff. So um, mm-hmm. how do you go about, how do you kind of manage that? And, and how do you kind of go about finding and keeping those experiences? and motivated staff well I do um, it's you know in New York City there every dancer in the world is here so it's really you know I, I the dance teachers that and choreographers that work at my studio they stay you know usually people come if they're you know they, I've had people that stay for many years because it's a great environment for teaching you know we we really take care of teachers well and they have a lot of benefits of you know um, yeah, they just have a lot of benefits. So they, we have wonderful you know, classes. The students are auditioned in Spain. You're really teaching a level that is, you know, everybody wants to teach. You know, so so it's you know it's not that hard to find dancers in New York City as you can yeah. imagine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I get way more resumes than I have positions, and teachers do stay for a long time when they come teach with me. So, um, you know, I really manage this teaching staff and the choreographers, and then. The admin team, I have a um, an office manager and a managing director, communications director. Now I have an events coordinator, too. And they are just, I mean, we have such a wonderful, fun time together because everybody is so committed to the mission. And you get to be around kids and music and vegan food. And, you know, it's really, <laughs> it's really a very pleasant place to be. So, oh, it um, sounds you know, you know, and managing managing the staff is really not my forte. I do have a lot of help from extremely qualified people, and my and very dedicated. You know, my we, we are um, really quite a team, and um, and my you know the the team is very creative, and they're always they're always uh, thinking about how to improve and and uh, you know fulfill our mission. So. Um, it's it's just it becomes very fluid, but I don't really you know I have wonderful people that handle the the nitty gritty you know the I have an amazing accountant, <laughs> I have a good payroll service you know like I don't I'm not bogged down with paperwork because of that so. It really, I really recommend that. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that's really important that you're focusing on what you're really good at and what you love doing, and you're outsourcing yes. the rest to the, the yes, experts. It's, yeah, it's key. Yes, and they're very, very good at what they do. So it's I don't, you know, I don't get, uh, I don't have to sort of tread water. I have, like I said, an amazing accountant and you know people that keep the books and people that uh, handle the registration, and you know the team is just they're they're stellar and. You know, I couldn't be happier with 
the people that that I work with, you know. Um, and, and we take time I, to be motivated. Okay. Yeah, we go, we go to, so we go to the fun restaurants and we date, we have fun, we do, we have parties at the studio. So <laughs> we make sure to have a good time. <laughs> oh, it sounds wonderful. So what about in terms of, because I love how you've kind of meshed your, or combined your veganism with, with your dance. So how do the staff cope with that like how do they sort of handle the whole that kind of vegan angle like do they embrace it is it a requirement for teachers to be vegan or uh, how do they cope with the fact that you are vegan and that you you sort of have these ethics running through well you know I think they're they're not all vegan but I do have vegan teachers and vegan staff they are not all and it's not a requirement I don't even know if I yeah I guess I could require it but um, it's been really, I, I hope, a great influence on those who are not vegan that to have improved ways that they eat and ways that they think about animals. They, um, you know, I, I'll have people telling me that they, you know, that they noticed something was made out of synthetic material, so they bought this bag instead of that bag. You know, that oh, happens nice. quite oh, a nice. bit over the years. So I know that it's been a, a good influence on people. Um, there's never, I mean, if, if someone's buying you lunch, you don't complain that it's, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that they, you know, they appreciate the perks of being, you know, we're right around the corner from an amazing vegan place that we, we get our lunch from practically every day. So, you know, I, um, I, it, it's not really been an issue. I, uh, you know, every event is catered with, with some vegan places and, you know, I, it's never, certainly never been an, an argument. I, I, I sort of long for the day that everybody transitions and says, oh, wow, I finally, you know, was able to make that leap. But I know that the seeds have been planted and that there are issues that they care about now. I mean, for instance, one person who's an admin who's not vegan, you know, who has kids definitely would never go to the circus after working at the studio, you know. So those kinds of changes I do pay attention to, you know. That are not necessarily, you know, you're not necessarily vegan, but you're not taking your kid to this. You, you know, not to support the circus and you probably will tell your friends that no, we're not going to go to the circus for this reason. So I think the seeds are planted everywhere you love that that's brilliant that's so lovely and you wouldn't normally think that oh you go to a dance studio and you learn not to take your kids to the the studio I think that's wonderful the way you're able to do that in such a positive way as well like you say you know you're giving them amazingly delicious food to eat and you know you're not (laughs) shouting at them ranting and raving at them and I love the fact that you you require like the slippers are required so is there any pushback there from say parents or anything in regards to the ballet slippers being required or not really well, you know, usually what we say is, you know, Miss uh, King has her own signature line of shoes, so that's the required shoe. So before they even know they're vegan, they know that it's a required shoe because it's my signature shoe. So oh, of course, okay. you know, got it, got you it. know, and um, you know, honestly, and another thing I just want to mention: all around the studio, there are posters and literature about, um, you know, veganism and, and animal rights causes. So. You know, anybody who works oh, in the wow. studio is exposed or goes to the studio is exposed to many, many, many issues. The rodeo and Canada Goose and all kinds of things. And, you know, in terms of the shoes um, being required, we are a vegan studio. So vegan shoes for every class are required, whether they're sneakers or tap shoes or ballet shoes or point shoes. That's the requirement because it's a vegan studio and no non-vegan food is allowed in the studio and no fur ah. coats, et cetera. So yeah. I, you know, in terms of pushback, there have been people 
that have rolled their eyes and said, you know, and maybe <sighs> grumbled. But I really don't care to tell you the truth because you still have to wear my shoe if you want to come to my school. So they, you know, it's happened before that people have said, oh, or, or and there's every once in a while people show up for the first day. They haven't been paying attention and the child is wearing leather shoes. And we say, oh, you can't wear those shoes. And they will say, well, but we already have these shoes. And I say, well, I'm sorry. You have to wear, a, a, we don't allow leather shoes in the dance studio. And then, you know, there's literature there as to why and what leather where it comes from, you know. So occasionally I have had pushback. It does not bother me. It's just like, hey, there are other studios, but you want to study here. This is the rules, you know. Other studios might not even make you pull your hair. I mean, I've heard some that don't make you pull your hair back in the front. Well, you can go there yeah. too, you know. In my school, you have to dress like this. If you want to study here, you do what we do. And that's what we're teaching your kids, and that's what we're teaching you. If you want to do this, this is how you do it, you know. Fantastic. So I really... Yeah, I really don't care. Yeah, yeah I've, got, I've got balls. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so, so brilliant. It's like you've got a little activist hub going on there. That's so awesome. I didn't realise you did that to that. So, because one of my questions that I ask everybody is, you know, their use of the word vegan and how much they use it, or do they perhaps shy away from it? And you obviously absolutely don't. You're like, it's a vegan studio, and this is how we do things. I absolutely love that, and and that you're being yeah, so well, successful with it. I think mean, that's really inspirational. Yeah, I do. I do sometimes, like with the shoe, I'll say that in, I use the word cruelty-free on the shoe a lot because I I just think that something about cruelty-free, what I I like, uh, when, again, the shoe is being marketed to people that ne- that probably likely have not even thought about where their shoe material comes from. You know, there are many uh, dancers across the country that are not, you know, maybe not as enlightened as people from other parts of the country. So, yeah. you know, I think... I think the word cruelty free is good because it has the word cruelty in it. So they have to, they have to know what we're talking yeah. about. It's not like, cause vegan sometimes can, you know, sometimes it works great. And sometimes I think saying cruelty free is a great way to point to why these shoes are the way they are, you know? Um, and I do, you know, I do use the word, I don't always like say this is a vegan studio, but if it comes up and someone brings in, uh, you know, wants to bring in their McDonald's bag, they, they're not allowed to do that. And then we explain why. And you know, we give them a list of things they can bring in. Like I do say, you can't bring food in, but you can bring this food. <laughs> I have a little list. <laughs> you know, and start out by just saying no. And then I said, well, you can bring this, you know. So, um, yeah. And, you know, the other thing is in my school, the, um, just to, you know, when, when I say it's a, a vegan studio, it's also like, you know, we're very politically, you know, vocal. We do, like, the pieces that, that the students dance. Like, I have pieces of choreography in which the dancers are um, put in a very small, they're put in a cage, and they're young dancers, very young dancers, little small children with little small cute tutus, and they're crammed into a cage to enact a battery cage. You know, it's a piece where they're reaching through, you know, the rungs. If you saw it on my website, maybe they're, you know, reaching through the, right, the rungs of the right. cage. So, you know, and people want to be in those dances. It's not like even if the parents are not vegan, they might even be rolling their eyes. But they want their kids to get picked to be in in these this work, you know. So there, and I do a lot of a lot of pieces that have themes that are you know not maybe not typical of other studios. So um, you know those issues we talk about, and like I said, even if the parents are not on board with the, they, the kids really want to be in those pieces, and that, and that's one great way to expose the families to the 
um, to the material because they want their kids to be in the piece. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? wow. Then they have to learn, well, this is what it's about. And I've already taught your child what a battery cage is. So now you have to learn. You have to learn what it is, too, you know. Fantastic. Well, that's so good. And what I love as well, I noticed that you do something really cool. You, I think you've got, uh, you're in the Boston Conservatory alumni and you established a scholarship for like a humane scholarship for like a vegan or, or a student who is yes. cruelty-free living. That's so cool. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, well, it was, um, I didn't, I haven't done it this year. I did it the, uh, the year before. Um, and I thought it was great to also, um, to bring out the the subject, you know, they have the listing of all of the different scholarships for different things, and that's my alma mater. And I, a couple of years ago, um, two years ago, I was um, I received an award from them. Uh, it was um, an alumni, what's it called, the alumni of distinction or something. And so I was able to address the graduating class um, and discuss, you know the the mission of my school which was really unbelievable <laughs> you know it was like it was really unbelievable so i was i was inspired at that time thinking that maybe there you know i could uh, reach for even further if you know wherever people stop and read what what it's about you you never know who you're going to connect with and touch in any you know in some way so i thought that was a way that i had never seen or heard before was a scholarship for um someone who's got you know a, a humane um, so also a mission direction, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. So yeah. in terms of, um, you've talked a little, you've touched a little bit on this in terms of you're very much in your local community and you've become known and you've got this great reputation for, you know, being the, the best dance school in Brooklyn. Um, and so what about in other ways? <laughs> Why not? We'll just call it like it is. The fact that you're vegan yeah. means you're the best anyway, but you're also the best because right, you're course. amazing dancers and teachers. But, um, <laughs> but what are, <laughs> What other marketing strategies um, do you use to, yeah, to kind of grow the business to keep attracting students? Well, you know, um, it does get uh, word of mouth is really, of course, quite important when you have, um, uh, you know, a family business like this where the students have to actually come to you. You know, yeah. um, so we've, you know, we've tried a lot of things. But the, the, I think the best thing we do is we go into schools and. Um, we do a lot of performing around the area. I, you know, it's um, it's grassroots kind of marketing. You know, you and also uh, referral. We we reward um, any referral from somebody who's already a student. And the reason that is so great is because they've already done so much of my work for me. They've told the, the, their friend what kind of studio it is. You know. They've told their friend, you have to be on time when you go to the studio, you know, or they've told their friend, like, you know, the teachers, you know, it's really hard, but it's really good. You get to do, you know, whatever. So refer, you know, referrals are are absolutely the best way for us to get new students. But we are, we do go into a lot of schools and do a lot of, um, uh, you know, benefits for the schools and, and events for the PTA, for the parents associations and, and all of the local street fairs. And, you know, we're just out all the time we're out there people know who we are you know because we're everywhere so um and i haven't paid for i have not paid for uh, print advertising in several years that seems to have really drifted um a lot and i haven't really um done a whole lot of online advertising but i'm corporate sponsor for so many or for a lot of different um you know, projects and organizations. So your, so the name is just, you know, the ads are sort of out there and affiliated, associated with 
with other organizations that are doing great work, all, you know, uh, uh, animal rights and vegan organizations. Fantastic. What about social media, Cynthia? Has that been helpful or useful in, in kind of growing the business at all or are you mainly offline marketing? Well, it has, actually, it, to me, it hasn't been as great in terms of, uh, like I've paid for ads on social media and I haven't gotten as much. I, like I'll get, a, I'll get a ton of RSVPs for an event through social media and then those people don't show up. So, <laughs> so it hasn't really been the best, but I have somebody now, a young guy who's working with me, who's our uh, new events coordinator and he's putting a little more effort into Snapchat and some of the other social media that I just really don't do myself and have time for. But, uh, you know, I just enjoy it for, to be able to post pictures and video of the kids and, um, and to get our message out there. But it hasn't, it's not been, um, you know, because we're live, you know, our stuff, is, our, you have to be there. You have to come yeah. to the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a very different kind of business. You know, I mean, for the shoes, I think it's better. And if I, and if that person who's listening <laughs> would like to take that on, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like to take that on <laughs> you know, I think it would really help that business grow. <laughs> for sure. So, for um, sure. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's great. Now, so for those of you, because you've obviously made it uh, so good to hear, you know, uh, you're doing so well in, in, an, in an industry like this, which is, you know, highly competitive and everything. So to, to yeah. those people who are listening and maybe they don't necessarily want to start a dance studio, maybe they want to start a yoga studio or an acting studio or some kind of creative business. What advice would you give them, um, Cynthia? Like, what, what do they need to take into account if they want to make it a success? Well, I think, you know, in some ways... Um, you definitely just have to do it even if you're scared to do it, <laughs> you know, like you just need to have like a, a, some, a lapse and have some courage one day and just do it, you know, because if you really think of all the things that can go wrong, you won't open, you won't open the business, you know. Um, and I think, you know, it's just networking and asking people who know better people, people who have businesses, at least I'll speak for myself. I love to talk about my business. <laughs> I love to. And if somebody came to me and said, will you help me, you know, I want to open this or that, I would love to talk to them about that. So I think, you know, sharing with other business uh, business people in your field and not in your field is a great way to figure out how to get started. And, you know, and for me, I also was very driven and, um, and I really knew what I wanted. Like I knew that I wanted it to be a certain way, you know, the, and, and I tried really, it's really easy in the beginning to be influenced to sort of, you know, cause you're desperate, you know, you need the money and someone will say, well, you know, I want this kind of class, but I want a class in, you know, martial arts and you're having a dance studio and then you go, oh, okay, now we're going to have martial arts. Like I never did that. I just said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I don't want that kind of studio. I want this kind, you know, and you have to just ride out those times when things are going to be tough, but it all, it totally pays off to, to stick to what you, what your vision is. You know, if you, you know, if you really, if you're driven and you believe in it, you have to stick to it. I, I remember early on in my studio, this lady came in and she had two kids and she, well, she had two, there were two kids with her, one, her daughter and a friend. And she said, I want to put them in a class. I want them to be in the same class. And I said, and I had met with them and I said, well, they're not the same level. This one should go in this class and this one should go in that class. And she said, well, I want them in the same class, though. They're friends. And I said, well, they don't belong in the same class, so I'm not going to do that. Thank you. Anyway, and she, <laughs> and she left and said, she started 
he told, you know, in some uh, local blogs, he called me difficult. And I remember thinking, <laughs> okay, I'll take that. Like, I like, I like that. He me difficult. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, I was glad that I didn't take her money. And believe me, it was very early on, and I really needed money, you know? But I was glad I didn't, because it gave me the courage to do it again. And now people know that whatever class I say your kid goes to, that's where they go, you know? Like, now I have a reputation where people trust my judgment, you know? Absolutely, yeah. When you were were saying that, it reminded me of that TV show, Dance Moms, you know, where the moms go and they're, like, really overbearing and try to control everything. (laughs) Yes, but I've never never watched it, and i got to tell you, I don't intend to because I've heard that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) funny. People people always ask me, did you see this show or that show? And I said, no, no, I'm dancing when that show is on. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't watch So You Think You Can Dance either? What do you think of those shows, So You Think You Can Dance? I actually haven't seen that. I, the only one I think I've seen is the, um, America's Best Dance Crew. And that's because my sons are break dancers. And they, so I, would, I used to watch that when they were younger. But um, I really don't watch those shows. Um, I am not much of a fan of, like, really commercial, um, the, the kinds of dance that I see on those shows. So I've seen them, like, you know, in passing, but I've never really been that impressed. And I also am a very big fan of live dance live live you have to go see dance so and you know one of that's one of the things that happens to me with social media is that i i would love for people to come to the shows and to be dancing in my building but seeing the dance on a two inch by four inch screen doesn't really that's not really what i'm there to promote i'm there to promote your body coming into my (laughs) space and dancing with me you know (laughs) and actually coming you have to actually do it you can't watch it you have to do it you know so um yeah i've seen those shows i'm I'm really usually busy in the evening so i don't really watch those yeah No, fair enough. I love the I love the advice that you shared. Like particularly, like you say, when you're maybe just starting out, and like you say, money's a bit tough. But it's not worth it to really kind of sell out your kind of mm-hmm. principles or your integrity. So I think that's a really important message to to share. So I'm really really glad you shared that. So we're getting towards towards wrapping up. But I'm just curious. So for I know we're talking about you know people maybe wanting to start up their own studio or their own businesses, but also like in say the dance world because you've been in the dance world for so long. I'm just wondering whether you got any tips for vegan dancers who are um, you know maybe they're just kind of starting out or they're working in the industry you know so they're going to auditions uh, for this and that and you know maybe they're going to be asked to wear leather shoes or wool outfits or even fur you know as part of the costumes mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. any tips or how would you recommend they handle something like that do they just kind of suck it up until they're big enough to say no I don't want mm-hmm. this or what, what are your what's your thoughts on that well you know I um there are alternatives to things. You can always suggest those things. I mean, um, you know, if you're very small and it's a very big operation and your your voice is not going to be that as heard as you would like, you know, it, it's harder. Um, you, I know a lot of dancers that have said, no, I don't, you know, these, these days, you, you know, you can say, I don't wear leather, I'll wear these. If they look the same as the other shoes that you often can get by and look, it's an ethical, it's a, a, you're a conscientious objector and this is what you wear, you know, as if it's a religious, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, mission, you know, issue so that, that you can just say, I don't do that. And sometimes you can do that, but really honestly, the bigger picture is if you need to work and, um, 
you know, and it's going to be absolutely mandatory that you wear the leather shoes in this, this job. I would take the job and remember that the money that you make, you know, you can put to use for an animal cause. So, you know, it's not the end, like if what you wear is not the end. It, it, the ending is really what you do with what you earn. And you certainly can put your earnings to use by um, supporting an organization, uh, you know, buying some literature and bringing it to the job that you <laughs> you know. There's a million ways that you can be active. It's not as important what, you, you know, the, the one feather bow you might have to wear on a show. Um, I would not want to do it myself, and I, you know, but I, but I really think that you, it's important to look at the bigger picture, and not the minute picture of what you, what it feels like to you to wear these shoes. I mean, there's there's a bigger picture, and an activism is bigger than just you and what you're eating and wearing, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice because particularly, you know, like if you're working for something like, I don't know, the BBC in the UK, like they've got a really big costume department. So if you're doing like a period drama, like if you're an actor, right. do you know what I mean? They're right. going to say, right, you've got to wear this. And if you argue, then yeah. you'll be seen as difficult. So it is, it's kind of like, like you said, it's taking the long game, I guess, because you kind of, yeah. okay, you go, okay, I'm going to take this job and then I, my name will get bigger. And then when you get to a, a stage when you're, you know, well known enough, then you can kind of say, right now find yeah. an, an influence so I like the fact that you've said that yeah it's kind of about the the longer game rather than kind of I guess yeah shooting yourself in the foot sort of thing so yeah, yeah. and they're not kill, they're not like saying I'm going to go out and kill a goat for you to wear today they're, you know it's something that's already in the shop so it's really you know your contribution can be after you get paid for this job yeah you know yeah, do something sure. useful with that you know yeah, um, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. So I guess yeah. final, um, yeah, a couple of questions. What would you say that you've learned through, you know, you've been running your own business for, for quite some time now. What would you say the key things have been that you've learned? Uh, well, you know, a couple of things that come to mind are um, that it's very tough. Uh, when things are tough, they really do change. Like, you know, uh, this too shall pass. You you can ride out the lows. They things go up and down. It's not going to be like a steady line in one direction. You're going to have to be able to ride out the ups and downs. And I've, I've learned to be a little better at it. It's not always easy, you know, but, and, and part of that is to keep a perspective that, um, when it comes to business, money comes and goes, you know, it, it's not to say, you don't just make money and keep it, <laughs> you know, yes, it's yes. Like, <laughs> it comes and it goes. And, uh, you know, I really have learned that it's like that spending money is a wonderful way to help you to make more money. You know, it really is like you have to spend money to make it. You do. And and I've really gotten much more into the flow of what that feels like after having done it a bit, you know, and, um, you know, and I actually enjoy it now. But, you know, it it flows. It comes and it goes. You have to you, you can't keep it. You have to send it back out there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and also I think that, you know, when for me, being involved in doing um, something that is creative and meaningful to me, you know, I don't ever, like, look at the clock, really. I just, I, you know, and my days are just filled with doing things that I love. And whether they're, you know, other people see them as challenges, I love problem solving. I think if you're a business person, an entrepreneur, and if you don't love problem solving, this is not the life for you, you know? Right. Because like, it's all we do. It's all we do is, it's, it's constant problem solving. And I love that. I think it's, it's fun. So 
you know, I think you just, you know, you, you got to really get tough and ride those waves. You know? <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of something I think I've heard in, I don't know, probably a mountain of personal development books, no one person in particular, but it's about being comfortable with uncertainty. And so many yeah. of us, are, some of us aren't because, you know, you, you kind of, particularly if you've come from an employed kind of nine to five or nine to six, whatever right. background, where you've got that regular paycheck coming in every right, week or right. every month. And it's kind of that certainty or uh, perceived certainty, yeah. I guess. And then, yeah, when you're running your own business, like you say, it can be, you know, one minute, it's like, be feast or famine you know I know as a yes. freelance writer you know I might agree it's like you know sometimes it's like awesome and then there's kind of the quieter times and you're like oh and it's like instead of panicking and freaking out and like you say getting desperate and maybe changing yes. something because you're worried to just kind of go okay you know right. this is how it is and yeah just to get comfortable with that uncertainty so I'm glad you, you shared that so anything you'd like to tell us about anything you've got coming up or your long-term vision for the Cynthia King dance studio and yourself Oh, well, you know, I, um, I'm hoping to keep going for a lot of more years. <laughs> you know, I'd like to, like, um, uh, I, I have a partnership with uh, an elementary school that is directly next to my studio, and that has been a wonderful project that I'm hoping to keep, keep growing. I would love to see my dance company, um, travel a little bit and get out and about. Um, including the kids. I would love to have more activists included in some of my productions, which I think would be so much fun. Um, I would love for my school to grow even more. And there are spaces right around my building that I would love to take over <laughs> and grow. Um, you know, I um, I have two sons in college that I, I hope to see them on their, you know, uh, continue to grow through that, through their education. I, I um you know I really am loving what I'm doing but I I guess I would love to keep going and you know I'm going to be 60 this year so you know and I I hope at least another 20 years that I can teach maybe more you know <laughs> I'm feeling Absolutely. I'm feeling very good I have, being vegan gives me such great energy <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, you know, I spend a lot of time dancing and teaching but I would you know I, I just I really like what I'm doing and I would really love to find either a partner or someone who's interested in helping to grow the dance studio, the dance uh, ballet slipper um, part of my business. And we have also a message. We have these beautiful ballet shirts that say cruelty free and have a picture of the ballet slippers on them. So I would love for the store to really start to thrive this, the online store um, so that my shoes, so that nobody is stepping on animal skin when they're dancing again, ever. Oh, that's what I would like. Absolutely. <laughs> love it. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Cynthia. I really love it. And I think it's just really inspirational for people to hear about, you know, how they don't necessarily need to start a business that sells specifically vegan products or services, but that you can weave your ethics of social change, social justice and, and, and veganism through any kind of business, including a creative business. And it, I'm just so happy that you're, you know, doing what you're doing. And, um, yeah, and you've shared so many wonderful insights. So thank you very, very much for coming on the show, Cynthia. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. So that was Cynthia King of Cynthia King Dance Studio. You can find out more at CynthiaKingDance.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 78. Now for our Vegan Business News Roundup. 
What's being billed as the UK's largest plant-based food show is set to take place in April 2018. Organised by Veganuary co-founders Matthew Glover and Jane Land, Thrive will be held at the NEC venue in Birmingham in the Midlands. The two-day event's mission is to bring together the market's best vegan products and an audience seeking more compassionate, sustainable and healthier food choices. Speakers include vegan athlete and founder of V-Bites, Heather Mills, the Good Food Institute's Bruce Friedrich, TV presenter Nick Knowles and many more. The show will feature a plant-based chef's corner, street food area, bar and food hall. You know, I'm amazed by the surge in vegan and plant-based shows across the UK, my original home country. It's great to see people given opportunities to access and learn more about eating in a more compassionate way, as well as demonstrating how delicious plant-based food can be. Also in the UK, the first exclusively plant-based recipe boxes have launched, courtesy of Wodge and Angela Gabor, founders of the newly created business Plant Curious. The pair, who come from Polish and Peruvian families respectively, are unlikely plant-based entrepreneurs, having both been raised in meat-heavy cultures. Remarkable health benefits, combined with a disdain for unimaginative standard recipe boxes, spurred the couple on to want to help others to eat tasty plant-based foods. Plant Curious boxes are available to order throughout the UK, and the first 100 boxes, which went on sale on the 3rd of July, and that's 2017 if you're listening in the future, are available at an introductory price of £35. The first box includes ingredients and recipes to make a samurai miso ramen, ruby vuri and loaded sweet pots. And all the products in the recipe boxes are 100% organic and most are from veganic farms. So yet another innovation in the plant-based space. I like that this couple filled a gap in the market for vegan recipe boxes that are delivered to people's homes, making it easy and convenient for them to eat animal-free dishes. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again, the easier we make it for people, the more likely they are to stick with it long term. Finally, a vegan gym in Colorado in the US has added an online fitness tool to extend its reach to a larger audience, reports Veg News. Whole Health Club, which opened last year in Littleton, Colorado, focuses on plant-based nutrition and even has an on-site kitchen to teach members about holistic health. It recently added an online membership program, which costs just $10 a month and includes 24-7 access to experts, a weekly Facebook Live workout and cooking videos, and one-on-one training sessions. The company's aim is to get those who are interested in fitness to embrace plant-based eating. I'm loving the rise of vegan gyms, and this is a great example of how a local business can create additional streams of income by targeting much wider audiences. So have a think about whether that's something that you can do in your business. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. 
Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. Thank you.